Hello, everybody. Welcome once again. As we continue on in the study we're doing through the New Testament, um, we're, we're making great progress. We're, we're, uh, we're tracking right along um, over three years now, and we've done the Gospels, we've done, we've done uh, the book of Acts, and then we jumped into Paul's letters because they tie into the book of Acts and his missionary journeys, and now we're working through the letters that he wrote to the churches that were started, that either he started or were started around that time period. Um, and he writes back to give advice to the churches because there's a lot of questions, just like there is now. Uh, even more so then, because there was really no model. They didn't have a model. Uh, and so it was all brand new, trying to work things out and, and what it looked like. And, and so uh, God used Paul in, in incredible ways to um, get the church started and get the church really moving on. Um, he used the other guys too, but... Uh, Paul, you know, was the guy who went out on the mission field and planted churches, um, the, the main guy that God used, and, and then gave leadership to those churches for 30-some years um, in, the, in the beginning stages of the church, and the church flourished. It went from, you know, basically the, the 11 guys that were left and, the, and the, 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 the women with Jesus and those, those folks from, that was it. That was it. The end of Jesus' ministry, you think about it, was... Um, couple handfuls of people pretty powerful ministry to leave a couple handfuls of disciples and then uh, when the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost that number went from a very small group to over 3,000 and then it just grew uh, just crazy all through the book of Acts Uh, just leaps and bounds and and uh, uh, fascinating what God was doing by his spirit and then you know continues to it's grown throughout time and continues to grow and grows today and and uh the church is alive and well all over the world. And, uh, you know, there's places where it's not doing so great. And there's parts of it that are, that are struggling as they sort of refocus and try and figure things out. But all in all, the church is a, an amazingly healthy, um, growing body and family. And, and uh, it's just, it's an amazing thing to be a part of. Uh, and I, I like thinking about we're a part of it. I I think sometimes if we lose um, touch with the idea that this has been going on for a couple of thousand years and that we're just continuing to do what happened and the very stuff we're reading, it continues in us. We're not writing scripture anymore. We're not writing canon, but we're still, you know, full on in the book of Acts stuff. This is the church and and, uh, we're doing the things that God calls us to and moving forward and and watching people come to Christ and... and, uh, and yielding to the movement of the Holy Spirit in our lives and, and looking for the return of Jesus, which is what everybody before us had been doing. And, and so we're connected with the church before us and, and the church that will come after us as a big family. And really, that's, that's what Paul talks about in Ephesians in the first three chapters, um, the role of the church in the kingdom of God, and, and that, that, uh, that God is at work in the church to this day. He's doing way more than we might imagine, um, way more. God is so intimately involved in, in our lives in the church that I, I think a lot of times we, we're not catching it all because it's, it's so... Uh, it's so amazing what God does and how God moves on people and how God changes people and how God brings people and um, what God does in our own lives and the opportunities that are presented to us. And uh, it's, it's just fascinating. If you, it, it, sometimes when we're in the middle of it, we can't always see it. But I'm, I'm fascinated about the movement of God 
in the church. And uh, also in, in the third chapter of Ephesians, um, it's again important for us to realize that in him, in Christ, uh, and through faith in Christ, we can approach God with confidence and freedom, which is amazing, uh, and we'll talk about that a little more. And uh, all of this is possible because God is, uh, in Ephesians 3, we find out, able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Isn't that, that's a great verse, isn't it? God is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. So, you know, immeasurably means we can't measure how much more he can do than what we can ask or imagine. I don't know about you, I have a pretty active imagination. And God can do more than that. And does, um, routinely. Um, Years ago, I used to talk about the church getting to a thousand and everybody used to laugh at me. But um, apparently God thought that we could do that. So there you go. Right? Because it, uh, you know, and the, the reality is it shouldn't happen in, in, in this area. It's too, we're too, this area is too small for that many people to get together in a church. I mean, way too small. I mean, the percentage, it's ridiculous. But not to God. Because God's able to do all sorts of stuff. You know, God's not limited. And I don't want to limit God. I mean, you know, God might grow to 2,000. He might do more than, who knows? Let's get them all in. I always think, I used to think this way all the time when we started to grow. I still see it when people at Winn-Dixie say, I don't even know. And, and, uh, and then I meet people that, that live here and aren't going to church. And I'm like, okay, well, then we're not done, right? Because and, and until they're all in, oh, that would be cool, wouldn't it? <laughs> if they're all in. That would be great. He's able to do it. We can't, but he can. So... Um, He's at work. He's doing amazing things. And, and big stuff, little stuff. Uh, you know, that, that what fascinates me, how concerned God is over little things, how he meets in, us in little things um, all the time. And sometimes I think we, we might miss it because, well, it's a coincidence or we don't get how amazing it is, the things that God puts together for us. And it's not a pass on difficult stuff. There's hard stuff. and You know, we... we I, I, I hate to say we when I say this. Um, you, you know, I've made some stupid decisions along the way in my life. I don't know if you have. And, and so sometimes because of those stupid decisions, things aren't always, you know, like, woo. But, uh, but God is still always faithful and works with whatever's out there. He's just, he amazes me. I, I hope he amazes you. I hope you're still amazed um, in your relationship with God. If, it, uh, if it's not amazing you regularly, you know, you, you check, check in deeper. Because it should be. I mean, something as simple as a breath should, I mean, when you think about it, it's a gift. And then, and then you know, all the other stuff that's going on with it is just fascinating. Anyway, that's enough of a preamble. Ephesians 3, 21 verses. Um, I'm going to read them to you uh, out of the NIV. You can follow along in your Bibles or in the handouts that we had, or you can just listen uh, if you would prefer. For this reason, I, Paul the prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles. Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is, the the mystery made known to me by revelation. As I've already written briefly, in reading this then, you'll be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to men in other generations as had been now revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that 
Through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him, and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that it is work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Blessed be the word of the Lord. So uh, the first few verses there in Ephesians, verses one through four, um, Paul um, if you remember from our study in Acts now, which was a long time ago, but so maybe you don't remember. He's under arrest in Rome. He's under, it's a house arrest. Um, he's still heavily guarded, but he is allowed to have visitors and uh, people come by and see him all the time. And people are there. Um, part of his ministry team is with him, taking care of him and, and doing the things that need to happen. But um, Paul always maintained, though, that, that God was fully in control of his life, even though um, he had been imprisoned and you know by um, false charges that were filed against him by the, re the established religious community of the day and uh, ultimately um, Paul who was a Roman citizen had appealed to Caesar and um, the the wheels of justice turned slowly there he'd been through a couple of sort of prelim trials but now he was just waiting for things to take place and I think um, uh, it's amazing that he can settle in. I, I, I can't, it seems to me it would be difficult for someone um, with Paul's calling on his life to be shut down, in effect, and stuck in a house. Um, when he was so, when he's used to, tra he's been traveling, planting churches for his entire ministry. That's what he did. And just, you know, quite, he, he, was, a, he was an adventurer. I mean, when you read about it, you know, he had, he had amazing adventures, amazing successes. Don't get me wrong, churches from out of nowhere 
um, you know, started when he, and, and, and um, ministry, you know, people healed all, all over the, the known world at the time uh, under his ministry, and people saved, and the churches started, and growing, and, and um, watching the people that um, he'd ministered to, um, becoming, you know, uh, active in the, in the kingdom of God, and, and doing mighty things, and just, you know, uh, imagine watching that whole thing taking off, and seeing it in, in your lifetime, in the 30 years that he, he did it, um, more or less, just to, just imagined going from virtually nothing to this amazing thing all over the world and being actively involved and being a part and then all of a sudden bogus charges are filed against you and you find yourself under arrest and you're in jail and there you sit um, and yet um, I love Paul because um, just like we saw you know through book of Acts I, I always think about that time when they stoned him to death apparently took him out the city and uh, he pops back up, and it is very possible that he did die and came back, because he, he, he got some neat glimpses of heaven in Second Corinthians. It happened at some point in his life. Not sure they then, but he was, he was stoned, and they dragged him out of the city thinking he was dead, and he popped back up. And I love the fact in that story, when he pops back up, he goes right back into the city. That to me is like, really? They just killed you. Yeah, I know, but I'm not finished. Really? <laughs> And so he went back in, spent another night, then he left. I don't want to push it. <laughs> but I love that about Paul. So now, but, but you think about what he does while he's imprisoned here. He writes a bunch of these letters to the churches. And he has them come and tell them what's going on and he writes back. And in effect, during this period of time, he writes a big chunk of the New Testament. Well, that's pretty significant, don't you think? And he, but he knew God was in control and, and you know at some level it needed to be done and, and God knew that so he sat him down for a little while saying okay ministry strong this one's going to last for thousands of years I mean get if he hadn't written it I mean, so do you what I want you to see is you just never know what God's doing and how he does it and we don't always understand what he's doing and why he's doing it but he has greater purposes because he's at work in ways we can't imagine and I, and I want you to get that because it's significant in your lives. It's what, it's what allows us to have hope. Because he, he, God often doesn't do things the way we think he should. Because he's God. And we're not. But he's doing things that we can't imagine. And, and the, the result of them is so much better than we could have ever imagined. That you need to hold that in context. So Paul went from what he was doing, which was all hands-on and great stuff. He's still training his leaders, because they're all around him all the time. You know, he's witnessing to the guards and stuff that he can. There's a revival that happens among them. I mean, they get chained to Paul, they get saved. Um, you you got to love that stuff, right? Uh, okay. Um, and then uh, he, um, he starts to write. Okay, I got to write this stuff down. And, and here it is. 2,000 years later, we're still talking about it. I mean, that's impact, right? But I'm sure it wasn't what he would have picked. He'd have just kept going doing what he was doing. But see, God's in control. I mean, he knew that. So, so Paul knew deep down that even in the most difficult of situation, that, that God would still work in them and through them. And he, he experienced that his whole life. You know, in the good stuff and the hard stuff. The shipwrecks and the, and the amazing blessings in his life. So be thinking about that. 
Then in verses 5 through 11, uh, he, Paul says that the plan for the church hadn't been to real, revealed to previous generations. Um, it wasn't that God was hiding this information. It was a matter of timing for when that information would be revealed. And what God's plan had been was to have um, Israel and the Gentiles, the Jews and the Gentiles, come together in Christ and become one body, the church. That had been his plan all along. Um, and they, nobody, it just hadn't been revealed yet. Until Jesus came, it really couldn't be revealed. It didn't make sense. But uh, that's, that's what God had planned all along. Now, in the Old Testament... It was known that the Gentiles would receive salvation. Isaiah 49, 6, you can write it down, I'll read it to you, you can look at it later. It says, it is too small, uh, it is too small a thing for you to be my servant, to restore the tribes of Jacob, and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. So, so this, this idea was in the Old Testament. It's, a, it's been around the, the concept that salvation would, would come to the Gentiles. Um, but it wasn't real that, revealed that somehow together we would become both uh, it, it, Jew and Gentile, the body of Christ, the church. Um, and it was Jesus that made that possible and we read about that in Ephesians 2. And just as a reminder, 2, 4, and 15, so you can look those up too later. Uh, For he himself is our peace, speaking of Jesus, who has made the two one, has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace. So uh, it's in Christ now that um, what God had been doing before Jesus and now what's happening since he came can be put together and, and become the one that he'd always intended it to be, the church, his body. Fascinating stuff. So uh, it goes on then in verses 12 and 13. And um, we talk about this here, but whenever I can, I like to talk about it again. Um, because Paul reiterates for us how the awesome privilege that we have that we can approach holy God with freedom and confidence. Because we are in Christ. We have access in Christ to the throne room, to the literal presence of the creator of the universe. We connect with him in prayer and faith in Christ. Now, it's a very, it's a, it's a real, it's more real than anything else. This ability that we have to be in the presence now of the living God in Christ. Because we're still a broken mess. It, you know, the, the idea if we took it in at some level would say, well, I can't get anywhere near God. He's perfect and holy and I'm not. And we see encounters of people with God and they're, you know, they get their unholiness just, just becomes so evident. But because he sees us in Christ, that's no longer the issue. He sees us in the perfection of his son. See, when I, I say if you're not amazed regularly by God, um, you, you're not thinking through some of this stuff. Because... Uh, we have access to God in Christ. That's amazing. We, we, don't, we don't deserve that by a long shot. The standard for that is perfection, and all of us messed that up when we were, you know, six months old. I, I don't know. What, whatever, whenever sin becomes evident, it's pretty young. Go watch the kids in the nursery. <laughs> Selfishness is displayed extremely early. 
And then, it's, you know, and it's great to watch. As soon as some kids get a little older, too, they, they make it up when they were being taken advantage of by the bigger kids. As soon as a kid, you know, is one, he starts grabbing stuff away from a six-month-old because he can. Yeah. And they, they, you, you can just tell. <laughs> so, <laughs> and it gets worse, um, obviously. It's worse as, as we get older. Um, and it never stops either. But that's still not it. So, so think about it. I mean, that, that's in there. And yet, we have access to God in Christ. What, what an amazing thing. Just, you know, my, my hope is that never grows uh, to a spot in your life where it doesn't go. You, you know, regularly go, wow. That should be a wow thing. Like all the time. Um, that you encounter him and have the ability to encounter him um, regularly, that you never, you never stop taking advantage of it and take it for granted because it's amazing because of what Jesus did. We don't need to be afraid. We don't need to be ashamed because he sees us in Christ. Then in verses 14 through 19, um, Paul, uh, Paul's an amazing prayer. Uh, he was great at writing down his prayers. And uh, man, could he pray. I imagine he did a lot of it. So he got really good at it. And, and those, those, that prayer in verses 14 through 19 is one of my favorites from Paul. But um, he, he says that, the, he talks about the family of God. And, and I said this earlier, the family of God is made up of everyone who's believed, of him, believed in him in the past, all who believe in him in the present, and all who will believe in the future. And we're a, we're a family because we have the same father. And he's the source of all creation, the, the rightful owner of everything. And, and God promises his love and power to his family, which is the church. See, God loves the church. That's why we have to love the church. We may not agree with every part of it, but if they love Jesus and, and um, you know, love God and we agree on the, 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 and the basics, you know, there's, there's some basics that we have to agree on because there's, there's you know, false out there but you know um, you know the basic stuff the the you know, Jesus came born of a virgin lived a sinless life went to the cross died on the cross was buried defeated death rose again ascended into heaven basics if we agree with that then all the other stuff is just out there stuff we're a family and God loves the church he loves the church so we have to love the church we have to pray for the church we have to you, you know, you hear us say it every week. Let's, let's, you know, we pray for all the churches that, that, that believe in the gospel, believe, preaching the good news. We're going to pray for them because, because God loves them. And we want to see them blessed. And so we, we pray. It's, his, it's, it's family. Um, and, you know, families are not always easy. I don't know what your experience is. Just, I got a gnat here. I'm sorry. Gnats are not fun either. Um... You know, families, uh, you know, sometimes there's some difficulties, contentions, things happen, disagreements, um, things lay out there sometimes, there's divisions sometimes, but it's still family. And, and, and we have to remember that in the church. Um, we, we are not in competition with the other churches who believe. Um, we are, we're one family doing the same thing, heading in the same direction. You know, our only competition is the evil one. That's, that's who we're competing with. For, and the, the, you know, the lives of people hang in the balance. And that's it. So, um, 
we have to stay connected because of that to the church and and see it's um uh, it's in this connection with the body of Christ that we flourish and grow and receive the blessings of God. We weren't created to live alone. We weren't created to live uh, in isolation. We were created to live in relationship with God and relationship in people in relationship with God. And so, so we need the church. We need each other. I also like, as Paul prays, um, how he describes God's love. Um, it's It's wide. So it covers the, the breadth of our own experience and it reaches out to the whole world. It's long, it continues the length of our lives. It's high, it reaches to the heights of our celebrations in life and it's deep, it reaches to the depths of discouragement and despair that we face. But his love is always with us. Then those last couple of verses in Ephesians, he sort of gives a, a doxology, if you would. The, the first three chapters, he describes the timeless role of the church. In the next three chapters, he's going to explain how the church people should live in order to bring out the type of unity that God wants. So he's, he's in the first three chapters laid out a theology, and now, as he often does in his letters, he's going to give us some practical ideas on making it happen. So, so that we can take that, the theology that lays out and apply it into life and then live the life he's called us to. So that's enough for Ephesians 3. If you're watching on television or by video, thank you so much for spending time with us. We appreciate it very, very much. We know how valuable your time is. And uh, please come and visit if you get a chance. If you need prayer, go to the website at keysvineyard.com and find the prayer page and shoot us a, a request and we'll be praying for you. And uh, God bless you. We'll see you soon.